Welcome to 3-Minute Warning, a Canadian Football League podcast. My name is Bill Beer, at the Pigskin Punk on Twitter. And joining me tonight, Dallas Bergen, at CFL Friends Toronto on Twitter. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 2, but Week 7. How's it going, Dallas? Hey, Bill. Great to be with you again. I, I know it's been a few weeks since we've been together with... Uh, Summer and vacations, work, COVID, all keeping us busy. But it's great to be doing this again. I'm feeling feeling all right. You know, it's um, it's been another really exciting few weeks in the CFL. Lots of great finishes coming down to the final play. And uh, yeah, I think we got lots to talk about. I guess the oh. first thing on my mind is I'm actually a little bit not thrilled, both as an Argonauts and a Rough Riders fan right now. Um, a little displeased with the riders, with some of the more of the off-field things over the past few weeks, starting with Marino Gate and and the Argonauts. I just kind of have my ongoing grievances with their um, off-the-field efforts um, as well, just to to grow the fan base here. Uh, when I look across the league at some of the other initiatives, I'm I'm left a little bit disappointed. But ah, oh, but hey, lots of lots of great things to talk about this week. So. We'll get to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the last few weeks, I know uh, we haven't done this in a while, as you said, but the last few weeks, they've been so competitive. Games are going down to the final play. It's been some amazing play, that's for sure. It's been pretty exciting, as exciting as I can remember in my one and a half years of watching, so... Yeah, that's great. What a dedicated fan you are. I know you you <laughs> never miss a game and you dove right in becoming a fan of the CFL last season, um, jumping right into to podcasting, taking a real interest and commitment to being a fan. So I just really like that about you, Bill, and that we can we can chat this league together and you become such a big fan. You're coming up for a game in a couple of weeks. Yes, yes. I'm coming for the August 6th, you know, the Tie Cats at Argos, August 6th, Saturday night. I'm pretty excited. My first CFL game. And, um, you know, the Argonauts have been winning. They, they, they've won, what, two in a row? Two in a row. And we'll talk about the game from this week. But I'm pretty excited just to, just to feel. And, you know, you were saying about Toronto and, and how they're getting fans or, or their lack of you know, a promotion and doing things outside. Um, and I can see that a little bit here in the United States in comparison to some of the other things that they're doing, like in BC, to get some excitement around their team and that sort of thing. So so I, I feel you there, but I, I'm very excited to, uh, to come to the game, hit uh, the party beforehand, the uh, whatever you want to call that, and uh, I'm excited. Oh, well, that's awesome. It's going to be so much fun to meet you there and to get some tailgating time together. And yeah, certainly the on-field product with the Argonauts right now. I mean, this is a great time for you to come up and catch a game. This team is really coming together. They are, they're healthy. They're, they're just missing a couple pieces, kind of key, but you know, they're managing without. Um, they're really missing Peter Nicastro at center. Mm-hmm. There's been quite a few errant snaps in recent weeks. And his return, uh, their Rookie of the Year nominee from last season, is 
is going to make a big difference. And, you know, their passing game sure came together with McLeod Bessel, Bethel Thompson throwing for, what, 330-plus, I think. But um, noting that Eric Rogers isn't in the lineup right, right now. And when they get those two guys back, that's pretty much a complete team. Things are really starting to click for the Argonauts. Uh, now that they've played their two games against Saskatchewan, I, I can be all in <laughs> cheering for the Argos. Right. And, you know, while I said I'm a little bit disappointed with some of the off-field marketing efforts and whatnot, this is an exciting on-field team right now. And it seems like things are just starting to click. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you want to go ahead and... and- and talk about some of these games? Yeah, let's get into it. So we started off with, wow, they put up a ton of points in Ottawa with um, Montreal Alouettes 40 at Ottawa Red Blacks 33. Um, do you want to start us off or you want me to go? Go ahead. Oh, I mean, this was a you know really exciting matchup between two pretty desperate teams. Uh, you had the coaching change in Montreal and, of course, Red Blacks being winless. Um, and this was a real back and forth with a few momentum swings across the course of the game with Montreal turning it on in the fourth quarter and uh, a huge defensive stop in the final minute, which which really sealed the victory for them. Now, I think this wasn't a game that was all bad for Ottawa. I know Ottawa fans were were heartbroken at uh, drop balls and, you know, just how close this one was, and particularly because there were some glimmers of light there. We saw Caleb Evans have one of his finest games going 25 of 40 for 297 and a touchdown, um, and also a, a ton of fantasy points with two touchdowns on the ground and 52 rushing yards as well. Um so Ottawa, you know, showed some things here, but but Montreal was able to overcome some continued discipline problems and uh, and get it done in the fourth with Paris going 25-31 for 341. And Herjie Mayala catching um, over 100 yards in passes and a touchdown in a big game for him. Yeah, they, they you know, this was an exciting game. I mean, the Red Blacks have been right on the cusp, you know, They've played, they've been in like almost every game and been right there. And, you know, it was a disappointing ending, I'm sure. Caleb Evans has looked pretty darn good. I mean, he did play some last year, but this year he's looked pretty darn good. And they traded for Nick Arkbuckle a couple weeks ago. And he did come in the game and throw one pass, which I thought was a little odd (laughs) where they brought him in. But he had a pass for 47 yards. But um, I don't know. Can you take Caleb Evans out for the next start? I mean, you're going with him, right? If you're the Red Blacks? I don't know. I think I think that's pretty much in doubt, given some of the comments from Paul LaPolice. And yet, I think a lot of people who watch that game would, would want to encourage Caleb Evans and give him another opportunity to build upon that momentum. But I think it's possible we see nick arbuckle right i don't know we'll see and nothing uh, against nick arbuckle anything but you know um he probably makes a little bit more money than caleb evans and they're like okay we need to at least uh, kick the tires on nick arbuckle and see what he can do for us but caleb evans has some potential i do have to say at least the last couple weeks and how disappointing must it be for Darvin Adams, you know, to drop that pass at the end there. He had how many targets? He had 13 targets in this game for nine. 
catches 118 yards and, and he had an earlier touchdown so they're right there on the cusp you're so right and if he catches that touchdown we're talking about the great Caleb Evans who engineered a comeback drive oh, yeah. and a big win over Montreal so right yeah it's um interesting to see you know did you, you so you watch that that Darvin Adams catch you know I could mm-hmm. drop I should say I couldn't figure out why he didn't track that ball because he actually waved for it and so he would have seen the trajectory it came from Evans and yet it seemed like you know rather than moving downfield a bit and making an easy catch on that ball. And you saw how wide open he was. He didn't have any defenders anywhere no, near no. him. He he kind of remained in place, forcing himself to make this really high leap to try and make that catch. Yeah, And it just didn't make sense to me why he didn't track that ball and, and make an easier catch for himself. Yeah, it's hard to say. It was just one of those things that... You know, we've had a lot of last play, you know... Um, in the last few weeks, you know, there was a play with, with Calgary. You know, the guy drops the ball in the end zone and it gets intercepted there at the end of the game. So oh, that was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So but talking on the um you know, the Alouette side, Trevor Harris had a real decent game, no interceptions. I've been disappointed in one aspect, and that is Jake Winicky. Where has he been? This is Probably his best game so far this year, but he's not the same. I don't know if it's quarterback play or, or what it is. I mean, Eugene Lewis even only had four catches for 28 yards, but other guys were stepping up like Reggie White Jr. and and that sort of thing. What do you think is going on with, with uh, the team? Is it the inconsistency at quarterback, or what is it exactly? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, guys have their preferred targets, although... You know, down the stretch, I don't think Jake Winicky fell off at the end of last season when Trevor Harris was playing some. So, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's unfortunate to see him not return to the form that that he was in last year. Um, I mean, I think the game from Eugene Lewis this week was a big shocker because he's become their totally number one. I mean, he was, but, you know, just undisputed number one target uh, having you know, a pretty good season, but it's actually nice to see them be able to mix things up for once because, you know, Reggie White Jr. has been a dud of a fantasy pick forever. And, and all of a sudden you've got this game with five receptions for 99 yards, um, looking pretty good. And Herjimayala becoming, you know, making a case in that, that group of outstanding Canadian uh, receivers. That we have as well, breaking 100 yards and getting a touchdown. So maybe that offense will will come together. You know, there was uh, Anthony Calvillo now um, as offensive coordinator there too. So that that may be part of those changes. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it was a definitely entertaining game. And I I have to be honest about something. I flipped it off <laughs> when when uh you know the Alouettes hit 40. I like said this game's over, but then I ended up flipping it back before the end, and I was like, "Man, it's the CFL. You can't, you can't do that. What am I doing? I've, you know, from watching this season, you've learned better than that. You know, turning off a CFL game being that close, even though it's it's not really that close, but in the CFL, you know, lots of things can happen." You know, we've seen it this year. We've seen big comebacks of teams that have been up big on other teams, and they've come back and lost. So I learned my lesson this week. 
<laughs> yeah, for sure. And if you didn't learn your lesson in this game, you learned it in the in the BC game this week, uh, BC and Hamilton. You know, I just checked in that BC Hamilton game. There were five possessions inside the three minute warning, and this Ottawa Montreal game there were four. So that's that's the clear signal yep. to to the you know new fans to the CFL that that is one of the biggest differences uh, between the CFL and, and the NFL or other American football where, you know, there is just a lot of time on that clock for a whole lot of things to happen within that three minute warning. And that's one of the reasons we've named the podcast the three minute warning. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and uh, discuss that game. We had that late Thursday night game, at least it's late here. It was a 10 o'clock PM game on the East coast here in BC and the BC Lions took care of the Hamilton Tiger Cats 17 to 12 in a defensive battle with turnovers and and you know there were there was and talk about close there there was a, a pass at the end of the game by Dean Evans that could have went you know a bounce a yard further and it could have changed the tide of this game but it was a very low scoring defensive battle but entertaining, entertaining at that. You know, the Tiger Cats continue to try to run. They at least tried this week to run the ball a little bit. They gave Don Jackson 11 carries, and he got 30-some mm-hmm. yards. But, you know, in previous weeks, you know, they've been struggling, and sometimes they don't even attempt to run the ball. They, they'll give it to, you know, Braylon Addison or, you know, Tim White or somebody like that. And, not really get their running backs too involved this week. They have. And speaking about running games on the other side of the ball, you got James Butler who came out the first week and looked awesome. And he's keeping up 13 carries, 76 yards. He's looked great. Um, And you know, Nathan Rourke had two interceptions in this game, but he still looks good throwing that ball. I mean, I... It's a game maybe they shouldn't have won, but they they ended up winning. And, you know, Lucky Whitehead got his balls this week. He got eight catches, 111 yards, and a touchdown. So, um, very entertaining game. And and, and a, I guess if you're a Hamilton Tiger Cat fan, you're, you end up on the short end of the stick once again. And they go to five losses for the season. So... What was your take on this game? Yeah, I'm with you on all those accounts. I yeah. mean, what what an exciting game for such a low scoring game, and and how surprising it was to have so few points when you really had you know a lot of a lot of passing in this game. 69 pass attempts between the two teams, uh, some electric you know receivers, uh, and yet um, you know just ended up ended up being definitely on the under at 29 points in this one. Um, a little bit of a surprise to see that, especially the hot BC Lions offense fizzle a little bit. And Nathan Work come back to earth a little bit, although, you know, 22 for 30 is still 73.3%. And uh, two touchdowns and two interceptions, not the greatest outing. And in his interview, he was pretty disappointed in himself, mm-hmm. but gave lots of credit to, to the team and the supporting cast around him for that win. But uh, you know what? The BC Lions are still looking good, even in what wasn't their best effort. Nobody's asking if Nathan Work is the real deal coming into week eight, because he's done it week after week after week. And yeah. yeah, they're they're looking good. And I've heard some people at the beginning of the season, they were saying, Nathan Rourke, the NFL's gonna steal Nathan Rourke. He's just taking 
the CFL by storm like nothing they've ever seen before. And yes, he has he has come down to earth. Because have you ever seen that before in the CFL where a guy was so hot that the NFL wanted that bad they was just going to steal him away after the first couple games? I don't think that's a realistic thing. Yeah, not really. I mean, certainly young quarterbacks can, if they kind of exceed expectations, can certainly garner interest Garner interest if they are young and I mean, if I mean, they are tall enough. Uh, that's often a factor as well. But I mean, these guys have all been really well scouted of course right right um and yet you know sometimes a player surprises and, i mean you and have a warren moon who played how many years and you know he he uh kind of escaped the nfl for a little bit but they kind of got him back and uh, you never know you never know uh, a lot of this you know players is sometimes is opportunity over talent they just don't have an opportunity, and they might not play at one of these big schools or, or that sort of thing. At least that's been my feeling is, you know, not having an opportunity and, you know, getting getting some game tape other than, like, college and that sort of thing. Yeah, you're so right. And, and quite often when these guys go, do go down, they don't get the opportunity. Right. I mean, Henry, Henry Burris and Ricky Ray both had, had those opportunities, but they really didn't get the chance no. to kind of seize a roster position and and move up it and I, I think some of that maybe affects the decisions of guys like Bo Levi Mitchell who you know I think he had some overtures but it wasn't the kind of contract and guarantee that that he was after and he right. just thought you know I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep doing my thing up here where mm -hmm. where I'm a top tier quarterback and I get to play every game and make decent money I suppose it's uh not what he could make in the NFL but yeah, you wonder. I mean, you can spend a lot of time waiting and not getting that opportunity, which is which is rough. Yeah, and um, I guess in this game, the the other thing, if you if you besides Lucky Whitehead or you know Braylon Addison, as far as fantasy goes, it was quite disappointing. I mean, Keon Hatcher, Dominic Rhymes, they just didn't didn't have the stuff this week. Or I always like a little bit of Tim White. And really, they all disappointed this week because it was a very defensive game. There wasn't a lot of points scored. Yeah, we'll talk about fantasy in a bit, but you're right. It was yeah. a tough. It was a tough week. Uh, I think only ended up with 64, maybe, which sounds abysmal, 64. but actually compared to the overall, it actually wasn't the worst week out there. I mean, some guys still cleared 100 points, right? But, but it was it was a tough week in fantasy this week. Yep. I mean, BC's looking good as you. Go ahead. I mean, the East, they haven't fared too well against those Western teams. I think uh, Toronto is 2-2 two and two against the West, and they might have the best record because uh, not too many East teams have been winning. No, they've just been beating Saskatchewan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> That's a disappointment from for Saskatchewan, for sure, to have, have lost three games, two to Toronto and one to, to Montreal. Uh, those those could end up being really costly for them. So I have a question for you, being the veteran CFL fan. You know, the BC Lions started out the season and they just rocked with, you know, they had like a concert and they were getting the season ready and they just came out and played excellent. And they had like 30,000 
I believe, almost or maybe over 30,000 for that game. And the attendance for this game was just over 16,000. What do you think the disparity is there? What's, what's, I mean, I know, I know the, uh, Toronto is one, we don't even need to talk about them and their attendance, but how, how do you get these CFL fans in the stands? Yeah, well, I, I sure wish Toronto would make a big splash like mm-hmm. BC did with that opening game. And yet, you know, the diminishing attendance in BC since then does show that it, you know, it's not just one, you know, one whatever um, great marketing idea that's going to bring back fans uh, consistently and long term. You need to build a culture and build it week over week and fan by fan to to build those season subscribers. Uh, one of the things I do like from from the teams in the West, and I think Edmonton and BC have both had real promotions is with children and youth pricing and a lot of activity to get young people into the stadium. You know, every time I talk to CFL fans, so many of us, even if our interest waned in our teens and 20s, you know, if we are, we became hardcore fans as children going to games, Mm -hmm. you know, all the time when it was made affordable by the clubs. And it was made affordable for parents to to bring their two young kids who at that time maybe weren't interested in the game. But little by little, you get, uh, you know, for me, it was a great Labor Day game in 1986. I was nine years old and and that great fit, great finish made me a fan for life, you know, and you just need a couple of those games that were so exciting and so electric that you get those fans coming back and in a generation down, they're bringing their kids. but. We've we've lost a generation in a lot of the CFL markets, unfortunately, and so building right. it back up is going to be a you know require a mm-hmm. long sustained commitment, um, kind of you know one fan at a time. Um, and yet, I think every effort is amazing to see. I think it's so cool what the Edmonton Elks are doing with small and independent business owners. They've got rug makers and corn maze, you know, like just anything. Where they can get, uh, you know, build community by finding independent businesses, not, you know, not these big corporate partnerships and what and sponsorships, but working with, you know, with individuals and small business to get somebody to to make something with a team logo on it. And just I think it's a lot of different initiatives that you need to take to to build up a fan base. I mean, it's a heck of a lot of work, but particularly Edmonton and BC, I think are doing it and it's fantastic to see what's going on in those two markets. Yeah, absolutely. That is a a great thing to see and I hope, you know, a Thursday nighter, I don't know if that's the most appealing night for for fans to come out to games, but um we'll see over time, that's for sure and I'd love to see it and you hear about the ratings in the United States here where there is no advertisement for CFL. You don't see any advertisement at all. It's like 0% advertisement and they're still getting like 100 to 150 viewers on some of these games, which I think that's pretty amazing because, you know, no advertisement at all. They're not even spending a penny to advertise the CFL. I think that's pretty amazing, at least on the American side. I don't know about 
uh, all the numbers on the Canadian side and that sort of thing. But no, you're right. I mean, and this is the gridiron football that's available right now. So mm-hmm. I think I think there's a huge opportunity in Untapped Market to to get people to watch and yeah, yeah, just a little more marketing and promotion and to I've, bring that in. But I've heard a rumor that the contract on ESPN Plus in the United States is going to expire this year, and that the streaming rights. Um, may be more profitable for the CFL in their next, whoever they contract next, which would be a good, you know, if there's even a little promotion, you know, how many more fans could you get? I mean, how many fans in the United States don't even realize that CFL games are, are televised? You know, that was my biggest thing. I didn't know they were televised and you were able to see them here. I mean, you would see the game occasionally on ESPN on like a Friday night or something like that. But if you don't know, how can you find it? That sort of thing. Yeah, that's so true. So you want to go ahead and take us into our next game? Yeah, let's go to Edmonton, where Winnipeg came to town and um, won that game 24-10. to 10. Oh, Winnipeg <laughs> just can't lose, hey? You would, you would think that a quarterback going 7 of 16 for 188, two touchdowns and two interceptions, that might not be a winning effort. I mean, 7 of 16? No, you would have said, hey, yeah, they definitely lost if you didn't know the outcome. Yeah, and yet that's Zach Kolaros and 24-10 Winnipeg. So, you know, once again, we see Winnipeg as a complete team, you know, getting another win. And I mean, Kolaros only threw to one guy practically, too. (laughs) 146 yards to Dalton Schoen of those 188. Um, Yeah, he had four of the seven. Yeah, unbelievable. Right. (laughs) Crazy. And he looks like he's, I don't know, he's on pace to be like the rookie of the year almost. Dalton Schoen, that is. pretty impressive what he's doing. Um, And then the other side of the ball, Taylor Cornelius starting to Mm -hmm. kind of find his groove. You know, I think um, Chris Jones was trying really hard to not have Taylor Cornelius be the starting quarterback there, looking at lots of other options Mm -hmm. and... Um, you know, with Cornelius now playing, he goes 25 of 42 for 270, no touchdowns, one interception, but still when you throw 20, when you throw 42 passes and you're completing 25 and, you know, have 130 yards more than your opposition QB, you think that might turn into a win, but nope, there are just too many things that are not good. Yeah. The the running game, for instance, one of those was Durant, Duran Carter in his highly anticipated return to the field right and he was bad and chris jones even said he was bad in the post-game interview saying <laughs> we need to do a better job knowing if guys are ready to play when they come off the ir ouch right yes and uh the running game has been a little lacking with uh an injured james wilder jr um, I don't know if they even really tried to run the ball that much, and then they got down, and, you know, Kenny Lawler is there. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a one-man team, yeah. almost. Yeah. Kenny Lawler, their big free agent signing. Right. So, yeah, I mean, uh, there's not much to say of this game. I mean, Winnipeg looked ugly. They did. They were able to run the ball a little better than they had previously, but... You know, their passing game was just beside Dalton Schoen. It just, it wasn't working out. They had, you know, the previous week, what was it, Carlton Agusi? Agusi, yeah. Yeah, 
he didn't have any catches or anything. I mean, he looked pretty impressive the week before. I thought they really tr- would try to, you know, get the ball in his hands a little bit, especially when they got down there. Near the yeah, he zone. did get hurt, but I, I don't recall at what point in the game he uh-huh. got hurt. But uh-huh. but it's true, he didn't have any catches. I mean, there were only seven completions, right? <laughs> right, I mean, what can you... <laughs> but, you know, the um, with Edmonton only scoring 10 points, only giving up 24, you know, because their defense would have been on the field an awful lot, that's right. actually... Pretty impressive, and maybe this is the sign that piece by piece, Chris Jones is starting with what he knows best, and you know, with a huge turnover of players every game on defense, he's gonna put this thing together. He always does. It'll take time, mm-hmm. but uh, maybe that's a little bit of glimmer of hope in Edmonton that Chris Jones' defense is starting to to come together. Yeah, and you know, they haven't won at home. In a long time, a long time since they've been the Elks, they have not won at home. So they need to they need to win one of these home games. Yeah, there are some teams in desperate need of some wins right now. Yes. Fan morale is yeah. pretty low, and um, you know, as a Ryder fan, we we don't love Edmonton, especially if we're old enough to remember their great dynasty when they had Warren Moon and won five cups in a row. And, Absolutely, but man, I'm. I'm feeling sorry for that team and their fan base and concern because, you know, Edmonton is one of the heartlands of the CFL. They uh, have forever had the, the highest attendance year over year and that they've slipped now and they're not, they're not going to be that, that leader in attendance that they've always been. Mm-hmm. And so you sure hope they can just be good enough to bring those fans back. Right. That would be, <laughs> that would be great. Right. Just before we wrap this one up, I want to say that it was, Another amazing initiative in Edmonton. This game was broadcast in Cree on radio stations in Edmonton and Calgary, uh, marking the first time in CFL history that a game was broadcast in an indigenous language. That's pretty awesome. That's awesome to hear. Just incredible. You know, that's like some really, really awesome initiatives Mm -hmm. coming out of Edmonton. Absolutely. Absolutely. They and everyone can be really proud of. Yeah. I agree. So our final game of the week, air game of the the week for us at least. I mean, before we get into this, okay, you're you're Argonaut fan, Rough Riders fan. How do you go? How do you root in these games? How do you? What side are you on? You're rooting for a good game, or you're rooting for one team to win? I mean, how how's that work? Oh well, I mean, <laughs> I I posted a photo on the way or not on the way of the game, but. In my game day attire, and um, you know, I, I went neutral with the CFL Diversity is Strength T-shirt, but I still had to wear my rider cap. Okay, and you just you don't forget where you're from. You know, I have I really tried really hard to give my whole self and soul to being an Argos fan. I love this city. I've lived here for you know almost twenty years. Um, I I'm a huge fan of CFL. I, I like the personnel with the Argonauts. I have a great time at the game. I try to get people out to BMO. And, you know, I think my Argonauts fandom kind of peaked last season. I mean, it'll get there again for sure. But I mean, into the East final, I mean, I was 
really excited about mm-hmm. this Argonauts team last season. And I haven't been feeling it quite as much this year, but I mean, I still I still want to see this team and organization thrive. Uh, I want to see another 10,000 fans in the stands as soon as possible, and I will boost this team and cheer loud for them as much as I need to uh, to be a small factor in trying to build this thing up. But yeah, I mean, I'm a Ryder fan from Earth, basically. So okay. So it's hard to give up. Yeah, I understand. So. so this Sunday night game, it was a completely dominated game by the Toronto Organauts um, over the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, except for those five turnovers. Was it five or four? Four turnovers, I guess. Four turnovers, three forced fumble and an interception. And if you count the the missed field goal return for a touchdown, that'd basically be another turnover right there. And it was it was a if you wanted a clinic by a running back in the CFL to show you how running is done and how you're supposed to run the ball in the CFL. Look no further than Andrew Harris in this game because he was completely awesome. And I tell you what, every time he touches the ball, he's getting tackled. He always falls forward and gets an extra yard or two. Always. He's just completely amazing in this game. And McLeod Bethel Thompson, I know I'm gushing the Argonauts here, but McLeod Bethel Thompson was 38-30, 78.9% complete for 336 two touchdowns and he did have that one interception but he was he was incredible there between those two and curly gittens jr eight catches 152 yards and had that long 70 yard touchdown he was incredible they need to use him more and uh what can you say uh, on the other side you got jake domagala Making his first start, I mean, you see he has potential. He's a little raw, but he does have an arm. He does have an arm, and they just they just didn't have enough in this game. So Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, it was, I, I hesitated when, when you said it was totally dominant because, you know, they were tied at 21 right. apiece yeah. coming down the stretch, but I get what you're you're saying as well. I mean, the, the Toronto Argonauts both outplayed Saskatchewan and almost handed this game to them with some terrible mistakes and oh, some yeah. questionable decisions, um, which which made this one close. I mean, we haven't mentioned that uh, COVID-19 decimated the riders this yeah. week as they were already struggling with suspensions. I mean, that's their own doing, but suspensions and injury. Right. And then for COVID to, to go through that entire dressing room, and actually it looks like it's going to affect them heavily with their roster this week as well. So we're going to have a second week of, mm-hmm. of them. But I mean, I think, I think Saskatchewan as disappointing as the loss was could, can hang their heads pretty, hold their heads pretty high given, uh, given the way that they were able to stay in this game when they, you know, could barely field field a squad. They were scrambling on the back end in the secondary with so many missing pieces. And they came into the game with, with a number of missed pieces on the defensive line with, AC Leonard out and uh, Garrett Marino still suspended um, a lot of uh, late kind of game time or day before decisions with players who played and probably probably weren't, uh, weren't well but right. uh, well des- well deserved to Toronto as much as Ryan Dinwiddie made some questionable decisions and you know some turnovers were almost costly but absolutely Andrew Harris is making a case you know as being one of the greatest CFL running backs and 
players ever. I mean, he's got a bit to go before getting into Mike Pringle and George Reed territory, and yet he's he's on his way, you know, breaking the 10,000 mark for rushing yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, that puts him sixth all time, and he'll move into fifth by the end of the season, I imagine, uh, with just a huge game. You're totally right. Put on a clinic. He always gets extra yards, and uh, he just gets better as the game goes on with every touch, and he punished punished the Riders. One of the one of the best run defenses in the CFL, I think. With, yeah, absolutely. He with, pretty uh, much shut him down the week before. They pretty much shut down Andrew Harris the week before. I mean, I think they went into that game the week before and said, "We're not going to let Andrew Harris beat us." And then, but um, there, I'm always going to be critical of certain things as far as the Argos go. And the one thing that I noticed this week is Brandon Banks' lack of being in the off. Because they almost tried to force him the ball, you know, in previous weeks to get him going. And it really hasn't worked out. And this week, he has not one pass attempt his way. What's your thoughts about that? I think you just absolutely nailed it. I think I think this 2022 Argonauts team was was built on those two headline breaking, you know, free agent signings. Mm-hmm. And there were some question marks for a little bit around whether Her- Andrew Harris still had it. Um, and he's totally answered that question by showing that he's, man, he's as good as he ever was if he could stay healthy. But Brandon Banks is looking to be a bust. And the Argonauts were trying to force him the ball game after game. Um, and he just hasn't been doing it. Had some decent returns, which maybe maybe that's the place for for Banks, especially when Eric Rogers returns to the lineup. They're going to have to make a change in that starting receiver rotation. And Cam Phillips, very slow to develop since coming to Toronto, is now really coming into his own and yeah. proving to be a very reliable receiver and good on second down, good in traffic, a nice big target. So, yeah, I'm not sure what the future what the future is for Brandon Banks. Although, no, I agree. If he's going to have a game, and they might try and force it, it's going to be the one that you're coming to on August. Oh, 6th. I, yeah, so yeah. It'll be interesting to see because that that could be the the pivotal game for for where Banks lines up on that on the offense or yeah. on the roster for the rest of the year. And, and they really made a concerted effort to try to get Markeith Ambles the the ball also because they had 13 you know uh targets for him now he wasn't all that impressive at times especially on that little wide receiver screen i mean there was the one time he dropped the pass um but they they really tried to look like they tried to go in a different direction and it worked it worked i mean you want to get you want to get the ball in the hands of your guys and curly gittens and and davaris daniels they're the guys you want to get in the ball into their hands to make plays. I just didn't see a lot of plays. And Cameron Phillips deserved to be, has a spot on that team, as you said. He has played well the last few weeks. I mean, he only had one one uh, particular catch this week. But as I said, I, I think going forward, maybe Brandon Banks has, you know, a week coming up in a couple of weeks, but I don't know if he's in the long term. That's for sure. In my yeah, opinion. that's right. And on, like, on paper, I mean, I'm not going to say that Toronto Argonauts have the best Receiving core in in the CFL that right. silly looking at what um, I mean late Nathan Rourke really has has done with his group of receivers in in BC I think I think that's probably the team that you put atop it on paper again it's meaningless but look at this Toronto receiving core 
with with um, Ambles and Rogers and and Banks and Daniels and and then the, their leading receiver Curly Gittins Jr. I mean this this offense should be on fire with that receiving group and maybe the very best running back in the CFL too. Um, it's moving in the right direction. I I actually think maybe the Toronto offense does explode this week on Sunday. Yeah, because it's coming together. Yeah, it's a good possibility. So um, as we get into week eight, we start Thursday night. We got uh, Montreal at Hamilton. Um, Hamilton, you know, at home, they have only got one win. So this is uh, this is the time. And Montreal hasn't been blowing the doors off anybody. Um, they've been they've been struggling themselves. So that might be a good game. Um, Dane Evans has a chance. I mean, he's he's had a lot of yards. He's had a lot of turnovers. A lot of turnovers. He just needs to show them. And I'm not a Hamilton fan by any stretch of the imagination, but he needs to show that he deserves to be that number one quarterback. Yeah, that is the thing I think that's most surprising about Dane Evans' game is his touchdown interse- interception ratio mm-hmm. is pretty even, and I think it was much better than that in the past. Hamilton fans are getting antsy. I mean, they oh, yeah, I bet. they are passionate and there are a lot of strong feelings out there right now about that team and and what's wrong and they need to they need to show up in front of their fans and put on a great effort. Um and Montreal, I mean, they want to build upon their their moderate success, but you know, putting 40 on the board and the coaching changes and recent quarterbacking changes, they want to start building some momentum here too. So yeah, I think that Thursday night game is is going to be a good one. Yeah, most and definitely. Then, and then looking to Friday, we have BC coming to Saskatchewan. I think the Riders were hopeful that they might get their squad back this week after their struggle with COVID-19. But looking at their injury report today, it seems like they still have oh, at least seven or eight guys who are in COVID protocol and haven't practiced. And so I think they could be in for another tough week. Although Cody Fajardo has been taking first team reps, I think there was a lot of thought that he might sit this one out um, mm-hmm. to give him an extra rest. They've got to buy next week as he's got um, some knee troubles that are ailing him. And yet I think the riders have determined that they need to win this game because BC and Calgary are both playing so well. Oh, right. The very, keep up the very last thing Saskatchewan wants is to to have a road to their hosted Grey Cup entirely on the road, you know, whether it's finishing third west or crossing over to the east. And so they got to win. They've got three games against BC coming up. They play Winnipeg twice uh, after that, and they need to get some wins against those teams that they're going to be jockeying with in the standings. And they're they're looking the worst of the three of them, so they've got to get it together. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost a must-win for them at this point. It does feel like that, absolutely. If if you play Cody, of course, I'm not. Someone told me on Twitter this week I'm not the doctor, but uh, okay. <laughs> you know, I think <laughs> if he is playing, that there is a little bit of desperation there. Oh right. Um, and if I were if I were making bets, I actually I think if Cody Fajardo plays. Saskatchewan will win this game. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine they're getting Duke Williams back. Guess we will see. We go in the Saturday night game, and is that a game or what? Winnipeg at Calgary, and I 
I really think Calgary's going to get the upper hand in this one. I really think they're going to give Winnipeg their first loss. Because Winnipeg at times seems like they're just, they're, they're, they're winning games. They know how to win. And Calgary was close last time because that was the game where, uh, I forget what receiver it was, but dropped the, like the winning touchdown and popped up and went into the Winnipeg guy's hand. So the, this could be an exciting game to watch. I I almost look for Calgary to just win this pretty good, but I could be wrong. But Yeah, well, I made my pick'em picks this week, and people are feeling this one at about 50-50. I think Calgary had even a slight edge there. And, yeah, I mean, the Winnipeg seems to be ripe for the picking. This, there's, this is as good a chance as anyone has had all season to beat Winnipeg, with them looking less than stellar last week and uh, with them on the road in Calgary again for this one and you know all all Calgary does is win apparently they're they're getting it together so yeah we're, we'll see but that's going to be that's going to be a heck of a battle yeah absolutely and uh, our final game is another Sunday evening game here on the east coast and that's uh Ottawa Red Blacks at the Toronto Argonauts and uh Ottawa's looking for the first win. Will this be the week they get their first win? I don't think it will be. I actually don't think this game will be too close, but, you know, you, you just never know about rivals and that sort of thing. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I, I you know, I often think uh, Tor- Toronto has a thing with disappointing at home sometimes, but the, I don't think this is the game. They, they are really coming together, it seems. Um, they're healthy. The offense is clicking. They're defense is is outstanding and i just think ottawa is too much of a mess no matter who they play at quarterback to to come out on top of this one although hey anything can happen and you know, know the the two games that have been in toronto this season have ended with a missed field goal at the, the game and a missed extra point <laughs> that's right <laughs> so they need to get that out of the way get away from that a little bit so. Well, if it comes down to, to one of those, I'll be happy to have seen another exciting game right to the final play in Toronto. Right, exactly. So, yeah. I, I just want to say, too, that I, I love that we're we're getting some Sunday games, one from a reschedule, but now we're starting to see that a little more. The, you know, the CFL used to play an awful lot of Sunday games, and one of the things that happened in the last 20 years or so is they moved away from that uh, first in the fall to not compete mm-hmm. with the NFL with broadcast and then kind of eliminating the the summer Sunday games as well. And I just I, I grew up always watching those Sunday afternoon CFL games. That was kind of like I mean, there always there was always Thursday, Friday night football, mm-hmm. too. But mm-hmm. there's nothing like a four or five p.m. game. No, you know, that's pretty the, awesome. In the middle of summer and it's sun still out and it's hot and everybody's having a great time at the tailgate. And then during the game, sun goes down, bright lights come on, and by the end, it's a night game, you know, with nice weather and not too late. I just, I want to see more of those late afternoon games in the CFL. They're they're real gems. Yeah, that, that was a lot of fun last week. That's So uh, our three-minute warning, we have a fantasy football, you know, league. I guess it's not really a league, but it's a competition against each other. And there, there's six of us this year. And you know, last year I was I was finding my way a little bit. I, I I struggled. I struggled. This year I'm pretty competitive. I'm 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 second. I'm number two and only four points behind the or number one. So I'm I'm getting pretty confident here. 
Um, um, I think I'm, what, 15, 30 points ahead of you for overall. Overall. So how did you do last week? Yeah, last week was a little rough. Yeah, I, I got to compliment you on how you've picked your fantasy teams this year. I mean, your, your score, and not just in our very small league of six players, but uh-huh. your, your score at, at 616 right now is outstanding. You have done so well this year. Good on you. But this last yeah. week, uh, let me tell you, I said it was it was a rough one for uh-huh. me. I think it was 64 points. Uh, Trevor Harris was my best pick. With 22, I had James Butler at 14.4. I uh, went with Walter Fletcher. I just, I saw the depth chart with Antwi on top, and I thought, why would they go back to Antwi after Fletcher played so well? And then I counted the number of Canadians and imports to mm-hmm. try and figure out. And I, I thought that the Montreal Alouettes were playing head games and that they were going to start Walter Fletcher again. And I was wrong. So 2.3 points there. I also picked Carlton uh, Agudosi coming off of his huge debut. Uh, he went for zero points. But I don't know how... It just must have been how much money I had left, but I picked Reggie White Jr., I think, for the first time ever, and that turned out pretty well with 14.9 points at, I think, a relatively low cost. I had Dominic Grimes uh, with 8.2, and the Alouettes D, which was not great with three points. So, yeah, not a great week for me. Tell me about your week. Uh, I did pretty well. I had, uh, what was it, 80.6 points this week. Not as good as previous week. I almost had 100 previously, but went with her quarterback. Um, McLeod Bethel Thompson had 21.1. A little William Powell, he had 8.9. And then I stuck in, you know, uh, somebody I thought that maybe w- would do better than he did, and that was Malik Irons. You know, you, I knew he was starting, so I thought, what the heck, give him a try. He had 6.1. I mean, for the price, I guess he didn't do terrible. And then I stuck in Kenny Lawler, 16.8. Keon Hatchery failed me a little bit this week. He's been doing pretty awesome. He only got 7.2. And Cam Phillips, whose price remains like twenty between 25 and 2,700. He got me 7.5 off of one catch and one touchdown. So, And then I went with Toronto's defense, figuring, you know, new quarterback, not a lot of... Uh, experience and uh they did pretty well there so and that touchdown at the end did help yeah 13 points from a defense you gotta like that that's a that's a nice pick yeah too bad kenny lawler and reggie white jr couldn't have had one or two more yards apiece on their receiving they would have got that nice boost for 100 yards oh yeah yeah, man, I think I think I had somebody else who had 99 yards a week or two ago, too. <laughs> Such bad luck when that happens. All right. But another nice team, Bill. Man, you're rocking it. So yeah, what's your team look like this week? Help me out. This week. Let's see. I I can't help it. I have to do it. I went with uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson again. Um, I just feel like he's on a hot streak all of a sudden. I threw in a little bit of Kadeem Carey. He... he doesn't disappoint. I uh, added uh, Jeshron Antwi this week. He had a decent week last week. Yes, he had one long run, but he seems to be making a big play or two each game. Uh, t- went with Tim White from Hamilton, and uh, I'm playing, still playing Dalton Schoen. He's only like at three thousand five hundred and something, 
every week. Uh, you have to play that guy. And Cameron Phillips again. I'm putting him in again because they're just their price point right now is just crazy. And then I went with the Toronto Argonauts again. Nice. Yeah, I like that. I've um, we've got some common ground there too. I also have McLeod Bethel Thompson and Cam Phillips uh, and Jeshurun Antwi as well. I mean, Antwi at forty eight hundred. That's that's not bad for your second mm-hmm. second running back because there's so little beneath that it's uh, just fullbacks who get zero or one right. touches uh it's nice to try and find a running back who's kind of a return specialist but actually those are a little few and far between these days so i got antwi as well uh, i took jamal morrow which i'm a little hesitant on uh is butler less I, I don't know i'm gonna go back and forth on that one mm-hmm. um i took Herjimiala again looking to have a game in hamilton uh, and Curly Gittins Jr., who is, uh, I mean, he's the Toronto Argonauts' number one receiver. It's its undisputed. Yep. And at 6800 bucks, can't go wrong there. So I like that. I've got Calgary for my defense against Winnipeg. Maybe Zach Laris will go seven for whatever it was again, <laughs> 18. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a pretty good team. I mean, you never know. You never know who's going to. I think I've lucked out this year of, you know, getting my cheaper players, and they've actually worked out. They've actually, majority of the time, they've they've done okay. It's, it's you know, hitting those lower-priced players and it working out. As in last year, I, you know, I would pick a player that's lower-priced, and they didn't even play, <laughs> even start. So at least I got one up on, you know, knowing who's in the lineups this year, so... Yeah, and I think that's I think that's how you win this game because the big names, you know, everybody's picking them. Yeah. But what do you what are you gonna do when you need to find three guys and you have twelve thousand dollars or right, whatever? right? You got to look for at least guys that are getting the ball. And I, you know, Dalton Schoen, I I can't believe he's still down that much given the week he had, and you know, he's producing almost every week. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and you said you and you took him again. Yeah, I know he probably will will be a a flop this week, but. We'll see. see yeah, happens. who knows? That's a steal, though. Wow. So, yeah, we have uh, our fantasy football, um, you know, a three-minute warning. You can join our group. I'll have it in the show notes. And we also have our Pick'em, which I have not done, done great at Pick'em. I don't know about you, but my Pick'ems, uh, yeah, I I try to get upsets, and, and I never that never seems to happen. <laughs> That's for Sure. So I've struggled a little bit at Pick'em. I think I'm way at the bottom uh, in our group compared to everybody else. Oh, yeah, I'm terrible at Pick'em, too. Uh, it's nice to have another game for us to play, but I get less excited talking about Pick'em because I'm terrible as well. Oh, but yeah, there's I, three of us in the Pick'em I am group. Six, I'm 16 and 11. Yeah, um, I'm... Oh, it gives me my overall weekly. It's telling me 50 and 31 total, but... Oh, yeah, that's all your years. So you oh, need yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm 15 and 12. I'm 15 and 12. Yeah. And last week, uh, yeah, I picked the Red Black and the Elks. That's <laughs> my upsets, and you know how that those went, but... Oh, yeah, I, I was two, uh, two wins, two losses yeah. last week, too, on Pick'em. Yeah, I don't have any streak points... <laughs> 
So yeah, we're also I'll have that in the show notes if you want to join or pick them. But we're we're terrible. Beating us wouldn't be a big thing because we're not any good. So yeah, so another good week. Pretty exciting. And uh, as I said, we'll we'll try to make it in here each week. We've had a you know summer and vacations and that sort of thing, and uh, we'll be back to talk more. This has been been fun. There has Bill. It's always a pleasure chatting. Uh, I imagine we'll go next week. So that's great. We'll be on a roll. And then I will see you in Toronto on August 6th. Oh, sounds good. Absolutely. So until next time, we will see you later. <laughs> <laughs>